0: Hello everybody, this is the Ether Podcast. My name is Rodrigo. And this is Ryan. And today we are talking about parables and continuing our series on Mark. We're on chapter 4. And if you haven't seen our video yet, uh, we define parables and the reason why Jesus uses them. And we just want to delve deeper into the whole subject of parables. One of the things that we didn't do on our video was really interpret, if you will, the the parables are in chapter 4 which is the parable of the sower, and two of the parables that Jesus uses to illustrate what the kingdom is. But before we start, we just wanted to give a definition of parables, the same one that we used in the video, which a parable is a short story drawn from everyday life that Jesus uses to illustrate a point about repentance or the kingdom. And I was going to say and or, but I think it's either <laughs> always either one or the other, but I may be wrong. And (laughs) with that, uh, Ryan, I know that you came up with a really cool uh, sort of
1: definition or purpose for the parables. I was reading that the parables actually comes from a term that means to lay side by side. And so what you're seeing with the, the parables is that you've got one story being laid next to its meaning. And there's analogies that are drawn between it. And the only way that people understand The purpose of the parable is if they understand the analogy that's being made. And you were mentioning that it's drawn from from everyday life. And so Jesus has a couple of these parables that he has these incredibly deep lessons for us to, to take. But he starts by using very common agricultural analogies. And as you take all of these parables, you can look at each one and get a lesson from each one. But I think it's cool to be able to step back and look at a larger chunk. And I think we really benefited last week from looking at uh, a large chunk of Mark and seeing that rather than just looking at a particular verse and saying, what does this say and what does that say? Being able to see large trends over large amounts of of chapters and over passages in scripture. This whole chapter, if you look at it, in the different parables – you see two different things that Jesus is trying to say. One is what the kingdom of God is. And he even repeats that line. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is that. What shall we compare the kingdom of God to? It's like, and he's repeating that a couple of times. And so he's wanting us to see what the kingdom of God is. What can I expect from it? What is it like? What should I be thinking about? Which is important because As we're going to see, these disciples and the people he was talking to didn't have a clear understanding of who he was yet. And we talked about the Messiah last week um, and weeks prior where people had this expectation of who Jesus was and what the term kingdom of God even meant. So here's Jesus coming in and clarifying it. But then he also wants us to see what it looks like to be in the kingdom of God. If you're a part of the kingdom of God, what does your life look like? Who are you as a person? What kind of characteristics should you be displaying? What things should people be able to look at your character and see? And what we're going to try and do with this podcast and and looking at the different parables is see four descriptions about the kingdom. Number one is that it begins with the word that the kingdom begins with the word, that it's established by the word, and it's set up by the word. What's that mean? We'll look at at that as we kind of go through. Um, Second, the kingdom is established through faithful obedience. Third, it grows with perseverance. Mm. And fourth, the kingdom has tremendous potential beyond imagination. And all these different parables all kind of – lay these things out. And so I look forward to, to getting into these lessons within and kind of weeding them out and pulling it apart and seeing what they got.
0: See, Ryan, you, you really did sound like the Slovak sage there. I like that. <laughs> I like that very much. Uh, before we get into all of that, which is awesome, and I'm really looking forward to that, I wanted to go back to Isaiah because when Jesus is asked why he teaches in parables, he quotes the scripture in Isaiah, and this is in Isaiah 6. And I just want to read basically the version in Isaiah starting in verse 8 it says and I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will I go who will go for us then I said here I am send me and he said go and say this to the people keep on hearing but do not understand keep on seeing but do not perceive make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy And blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Basically, what this is saying, and I think it's very funny because I feel a lot of times we use the line like, hey, who am I going to send? And Isaiah says, hey, send me. We use this as a very inspirational thing. Sure. But, but what Isaiah is being sent for is basically to condemn people.
1: Very uplifting message.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> because it's amazing to me that... Again, as Jesus is asked, why are you teaching in parables? This is his reasoning. And basically back here in Isaiah, what God is telling Isaiah is, I'm sending you so that people will stop listening to me. Because God, in his wisdom, had understood that for whatever reason, the more people he sent to preach to the Israelites, the less they would hear. And so Isaiah is being sent not to make people listen, but to shut their ears. And so now we jump back to Mark 4, and that is Jesus' reasoning for using parables. And back in Isaiah, that seems like a counterintuitive method. And now, hundreds of years later in Mark, that also seems like a very counterintuitive method to spread a message. Um...
1: I'm stumbling over this, and this is this is the scripture that I really had the hardest time with in mark four um, and I'm glad and kind of afraid that we're talking about it because it is a confusing part you know my my initial thought as I read this is I think, okay, God is love, God is love, everything he's doing is based out of love. My initial thought is that it's it's saying. I'm here preaching repentance to you and I know that you're not going to listen, but I'm going to keep doing it. So keep on hearing and don't understand, keep on seeing, but don't perceive that I'm here. I'm going to keep speaking this message, but then it immediately contradicts what I just said in verse 10, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes. And so I'm not really sure what to do with that at the moment.
0: <laughs> no, it's hard. It's really hard. And it's interesting how the, uh, the, the events follow each other. So Jesus arrives and is this epic arrival. And then he begins to do all these amazing things. And he begins to get a great following. And now it seems literally Jesus is trying to thin the hurt. He's looking at all these people. Mm-hmm. And he probably goes, not everybody's here for the right thing. Let me start speaking in a way that, they, that will make him walk away. Mm-hmm. The difficult thing is, this is where it, it's really hard to, to marry these two ideas. That Jesus came for the lost, but he also came to preach the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And the teaching about the kingdom in general is that it's this awesome place, and at the same time, not everybody's going to it. Right. But God wants everybody to go to it, but not everybody's going to. And so there's this this constant dynamic of the reality of the kingdom, God's ideal, and the reality of people. I think that's the thing that I think amazes me the most is that Jesus is doing this because he knows people. We have this idea of like, hey, Jesus came for everybody, and he did, but at the same time, he knew that not everybody was gonna come and not everybody was going to believe him, and not everybody was going to follow him. And I think it's really hard for us to to, to marry those ideas. Um,
1: Really dovetails into the the topic of predestination, and it's not a topic that I think about very often. And in our in our tradition that we discuss, uh, it's it's sort of one of those things that it's sort of said as we don't believe it and kind of dismissed. Right. But we don't really uh, evaluate it. Where did it come from? What is it? And there's a number of verses throughout the Bible that that get to this idea. Predestination and the idea that came from somewhere. And I'm not saying it's a valid belief. I'm not saying it's invalid necessarily, just because I haven't researched it myself. But I think something like this really touches on that idea of predestination. And I think it'd be worthwhile sometime in the future for us to look at and talk about the idea of predestination. What is it more than simply this idea of God is going to save a couple of elect people and everybody else... He's, he's not. I think that's too simplistic of a, a discussion of it. But I think verses like that play into this question of what is, what is God's overall plan? Right. But I definitely agree that Jesus definitely does things to just thin the herd. In Luke 9, crowds are following Jesus, and it's almost like he turns around and sees the number of people behind him, and it says, and he said to them all, if anyone would come after him, Or come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would uh, save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And you just imagine like half the crowd just stopping on the hill and everybody else kind of going off and Jesus going, that's better. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't need this many. Or you think about like like Gideon and he grows this army and God says, you got too many. Let's thin them down. Right. And if they drink water this way, keep them. If they are afraid, get rid of them. If they such and such, send them home. And he gets down to, was it 300 or 600 men? Some crazy number that you just think, man, I wonder why God does that sometimes. Yes. And it's a challenging thought to to work through, and I've not. <laughs>
0: No, and it's true, and I think I think part of the difficult part of this conversation is that there's no solid landing place that you could say, "Hey, for sure, this is the answer." Hmm. And to add to to another layer of complication here is people, and the parable of the sower is a perfect example of that, because right. After Jesus gives his reason, he explains the parable of the sower. As sort of as a, a complementing thought to the reason, he then explains the parable, and the the two sort of fit together. And basically, the parable of the sower is about the word being spread, mm-hmm. and people receiving it in different ways. And you know, for as much as we wonder like, Hey, what is God thinking? And just, you know, just to give a, a close to that thought, cause we didn't really close it. The best we can say, at least for right now is that we've given a lot of thought. We've wrestled with it. And dear listeners of our podcast, we just don't have a solid answer for you. <laughs> and God knows more than we do. And sometimes that's just sort of where you have to leave it. But With the parable of the sower, I think it's um, where Jesus takes it is to how his message is being received, how the Mm -hmm. message of God is being received. And, you know, I've read this dozens and dozens of times, and I don't know what it is, or this particular time that I read it, that the first soil really grabbed me. And again, I've read this many times, but I don't know what it was, and I'll explain to you, I think, what intrigues me. says in verse 13 and chapter 4 says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows sows the word, and there are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is is sown in them. And again, here is another layer of (laughs) complication in that we've talked about sort of predestination and god's will and sort of this weird dynamic and then you add the layer of people and our free will and then is satan who who fits in all of this who has his own will and who is after people as well Mm -hmm. and you know many times the way this has been taught to me and i think to um Maybe not appropriately, the way that I've taught it to people, is sort of, okay, are you making room in your life for Satan to come and snatch the word from you? But that's not what Jesus is saying. Like, the way he puts it is that Satan is the active party in making sure that the word doesn't grow.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that is something that we don't think of in our lives enough that there's somebody out there actively trying to not make a spiritual.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And I think as Jesus begins these teachings about repentance and the kingdom, the first thing that he's teaching is like, Hey, Satan is part of this. I'm here preaching about the kingdom And I'm actively trying to invade the earth with the kingdom of God. And yet there's this other guy that's trying literally to fight me. And who we're fighting for is your lives. And I thought, that is amazing. And for Jesus to begin, sort of, to begin this parable with that thought and to think again, I think parables are are meant to be self reflective. Mm -hmm. And for me to sort of sit there and go, man, like Satan is actively trying to make me not listen to God. Yeah. How crazy is that?
1: Yeah. You think about all the different times in your life where you feel like, why am I messing up? Well, maybe it's you not, not making way and allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he's supposed to do. But other times, you're just getting opposed, man. That Satan is out there, and he's putting these things in your path, that before you wake up in the morning, he's thinking, what can I do today to cause him to stumble? What can I do today to cause him to be faithless? I've got it. And it's something usually so subtle, something that, that prevents you from even realizing it's there, which is I think sometimes the biggest lie that Satan has for us is that, that he isn't there, and that it's all about you, and it creates self doubt and it creates this this feeling of just self deprecation of i am horrible i'm a deplorable right. human being and there are parts of us that we need to change and shed but we can never forget that that our lives are a battleground and that there are two forces fighting and that some days the the evil forces are going to win And we have to not be okay with that, but understand that those are the days that we need to to pray. Those are the days that we need to draw closer to God, that we need to not forget that I'm fighting in a battle, and I am being attacked at this moment, and my walls and my towers are being bombarded. Turn and, and, and be aware and be prepared for that.
0: Yeah. Well, there's two things I'd like to point out. The other two soils, before we get to the good one, is one that doesn't allow for deep roots to grow. And the other one that basically gets choked up by the worries of this world. You know, one of the things that I, and again, I think thinking of the way that I've taught this to people and the way of this is taught this to me, many times it's thought of like, hey, like, which soul are you? And almost like you will be this soil forever. Right. I, I don't necessarily think that that's the way that Jesus meant this. I think at different times, we can be different types of soil. Absolutely. There are times that I'm not thinking deeply enough about the word. And there are times that the worries of this world do choke the word out. Absolutely. One of the interesting things about the fertile soil, it's, it's that like, it exists in a different dimension Because even um, as I was reading about this and I was reading different commentaries and all this stuff, one of the things that I read is the image that you have to sort of make in your mind is one, the path is a highway off in the distance. All of these grounds were immediately near the fertile soil. And basically what they used to do is there used to be a path that you walked on to get to the fertile soil. It was like a little depression where the fertile soil was. So there was rocky ground and there were thorns and there were all the stuff immediately surrounding the fertile ground. Mm-hmm. All of these things are going to be part of our, our of our everyday life.
1: Yeah, we, uh, we recently bought our, our house and, um, I'm not much of a, a gardener, but I, I like going out and feeling like I'm able to put some sort of control over my yard and it feels manly to go out and cut the grass and and make it look how I want it to but man it's amazing how just a week later there's all kinds of extra stuff growing in my yard there's uh, weeds that are popping up Uh, that bush that looked good last week now looks like it's dead and dying and I ought to take it out and that it's easy to get this this feeling of now it's fertile I'm good to go and live the rest of my life, and that's just not not the way that real life happens. That we always have to come back and, and keep saying, "All right, let's get these rocks out of here." They there was a little bit of a landslide and some rocks fell in, and or man, uh, thorns want to grow in good soil just like uh, grain and crops and everything. Right, and so I got to go in there and I got to pull those thorns out of there and and go on and and getting those things up by the roots, I can't be surprised that 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 happens. But I think that having a heart like that is indicative of a person who is striving to have that heart and that life that is the good soil.
0: No, absolutely. Let's move on to the other parables because I really want to get to them because I really, really enjoy them. (laughs) Uh, Let me read uh, verse 26 through 29. It says, and he said – this is one of my favorite parables. Really? I think, yes, absolutely.
1: It's such a unique one.
0: No, it is. It's and not think,
1: one you typically hear on a Sunday service.
0: No, it's not. See, I have a, a background in ministry. And in ministry, I feel like there's always the pressure to produce. And this parable has always been such a grounding parable to me because again what he's describing is the kingdom of god Mm -hmm. he's comparing it to an agricultural setting and he's speaking of the wonder and the simplicity of what it is to put a seed in the ground and the thing just grows magically without you having to do much to me it's it's such a such a testament this parable to me is such a testament that it is the kingdom of God and much like the sun rises every morning because that's the way that God made it the kingdom of God grows because it's his
1: mhm yeah i uh you know as you're talking my my mind is is immediately going to um galatians 5:22 that at at the end of galatians 5 Paul has this this laundry list of of sins in our lives. And, and 22 starts out contradicting and saying, all right, that's all what we used to be. And that's what sin is. Here's the other side. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desire. And a couple of things I like about this verse is, is, first is that it talks about the fruit of the spirit, that this isn't, this isn't fruits plural. it's singular, that this is one fruit, and this is something that develops in our lives and is not the result of me working. It's not the result of me doing it. But when the spirit is in my life, I'm going to see a fruit. And that fruit has different sides to it. It has a side of love and of joy and peace. And it's different shades of what this one fruit looks like. And it's impossible for, to look at my life and say, am I loving? Yes, no. How much? Be more loving. Am I joyful? Yes, no. Be more joyful. Am I peaceful? Yes, no. And, and, and sort of will myself to possess these things that right. that I, I can't produce fruit through self-will and, and just wanting it to happen. It's the word. It's this, It's the seed that's planted in my heart that brings the fruit. And I exhibit what the fruit is bearing. Now, you can look at my life and you can say, you aren't loving You aren't peaceful. You aren't joyful. You have no fruit. There must be no word. And you can go back and you can trace it and you can address it there. Or you can say, man, you are loving. You are joyful. You are peaceful. You have the fruit of the spirit. You have the spirit in you. And that comes from the word. And so it it, it is very liberating of feeling like I can't just muster this up. Why am I just not good enough? Because you're human. Right. <laughs> and that's how you're set up to be. But by dying to yourself and by allowing that that seed to get in there and to, to germinate and sprout, that's when you start seeing these things. And and so it's, it's, it's a very cool idea of allowing the word to do the work it does take away that sense of guilt in many regards it does take away that sense of of personal well i was gonna say personal responsibility but that there's definitely an aspect a major aspect of personal responsibility but when the word is sown in your heart it will germinate it will grow it will create uh fruit just to add a little bit to what you're saying
0: i think there. i find great comfort in the idea that I can totally stink and it's still God's kingdom. Because <laughs> I think, like, I think even there's a trap, there's a there's a trap in, in reading this parable that you start going, well, am I the seed sower? Like, am I the one s- sowing the seed? But Jesus is saying, hey, like the whole kingdom of God is as if a man had, so-. like, again, it's not us. We just do the the rip the reaping, if you will. The reaping. Yes.
1: Not right. the ripping.
0: Right, I pronounce that really badly. <laughs> it's my Mexicanness coming, out. and yet it is God's kingdom, and that's exactly my point, Ryan. You can even mispronounce the word of God, and it's still His kingdom. <laughs> right. But but I think there, there is such a great comfort in knowing that ultimately he's the one in charge. The, the, the most pleasant surprises to me, especially, you know, we, we try to study the Bible with people. We try to show them what Christianity is about. And invariably, you will come to that point where you think the person is not listening. And there's times that I've literally had the experience of that person walking away. And in the, like, months or weeks will go by... And in that time that I've not been talking to that person, they will come back and tell me that they've been thinking about the word of God and that they're now a few steps forward from where they were. And that's how it's supposed to work. That is Mm -hmm. what Jesus is describing here.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and I think that's amazing. Uh, Let me jump to the next one, which I also enjoy quite a bit. Uh, verse 30 says, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is, when it, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out a large, large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shape. What do you think of that one, Ryan?
1: I think it's a very encouraging uh, culmination to the parables in chapter four. Um, you know, we looked at the parable of the sower and looking at here comes the, the beginning of, of the kingdom. Uh, here's, here's the word, and it's being cast out. As it lands in us, we look at the seed itself in the parable of the the growing seed or of normal growth or whatever uh, your Bible uh, terms it and looking at what happens to that seed when it's in us and then it grows up and it becomes even bigger than we can imagine that the seed comes from God, comes from Jesus, and it doesn't have to be much at all. And it can blossom and grow into this thing that's absolutely unimaginable. And I think about the, disciples hearing that for the first time and not really having a context to put it into. And I think in 2018, it's easy for us to look back in time and say, wow, Jesus started by himself
0: Mm. with
1: a couple of Jewish believers, um, who then multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. And just 300 years later, it became the, the uh, official religion of the Roman Empire, takes over the Western world, shapes history in a lot of bad ways, but it's still a, so many amazing things have happened because of it, that lives have been changed for the better. People have been saved. Their relationships with uh, God and with each other have been rectified. Families have been healed. All around the world, and it's now the number one religion in the world, just from a numbers standpoint. And you go, Wow, it starts with a single mustard seed, and you can take it out into all kinds of different ideas from there of like, you have this in your possession, and you can give it to someone and have faith in them, and see what they can do, and see what's going to happen, and um, all kinds of encouraging messages. But I think it's an encouraging way to kind of to wrap up that chapter and the that series of parables of looking at the soil looking at uh the seed itself and seeing what what it'll grow up into to to become i I think it's very cool
0: yeah one of the interesting things about this passage is that there's some discussion about what kind of mustard plant are we talking about because we think mustard we think that yellow stuff
1: Mm, delicious
0: yes but in Israel, there's different kinds of mustards, and there's different kinds of mustard plants. There is a type of mustard that grows into a tree, but there's also a type of mustard that's a weed. Wild plants that grow in very high volume just in the wild as you're wandering around the country. And people think that that's the mustard. It's called black mustard, the mustard that they're talking about here in this passage. And that it's sort of a mistranslation to say, like there's, I think the NIV says that birds make their nest in it. This is the ESV. And it says that it makes the, the birds make their nest in its shade. Right. But I like the idea of it being mustard, the weed, because what, Part of that is saying is that the kingdom of God is actually invasive. It's really hard to get rid of weeds, and weeds grow everywhere. Mm-hmm. And in Israel, there's actually these, these fields of, of mustard plants, and they grow really tall, and they don't become trees. But you can literally see whole expanses of this stuff, That's really tall and that's really wild. And you just sort of go like, man, this stuff is everywhere. Hmm. And I think part of the point that Jesus was making is like, hey, the kingdom of God is here and it's being planted and it's going to go everywhere. And you sort of can't stop it. And that's the other thing that I forgot to say about the other the other parable that we were reading. And this one, there's an element of the kingdom of God being the kingdom of God that it can't be stopped. You can oppose it all you want. You can have no faith in God. You can have no faith in the Bible. God doesn't need your permission to advance his kingdom. He doesn't need your, your buying into it for his kingdom to grow. The kingdom right. of God is, is here and is going to advance and is going to grow whether we decide to be involved in it or not. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's an aspect, again, as Jesus comes bringing the kingdom as a king— One of the very natural roles of a king is conquest, and Jesus is here to conquer. Mm -hmm. And so as he's describing the kingdom, he's saying, like, hey, this is going to go everywhere, and you can't stop it. And it's pretty awesome. And at the same time, the way that he puts it is, okay, this is an invasion that's going to bring comfort to people. It's not going to be scorched earth if the the birds are going to find comfort in this.
1: Yeah, I think it's amazing. I think it's a it really clarifies that that f- final point that we started off at the beginning talking about of the kingdom has tremendous potential beyond imagination, and there are those those things that that you've got in your heart and your mind that you say man it'd be amazing if if I could see this happen and I remember as young christians you you'd always come up with um, man, I want to see a church that's this big. I want to see a church that's that big. I want to go to this other country and, and plant a church. I want to do this amazing thing. And Jesus is saying, "Whatever you think God can do, it's more. It's humbling and encouraging and faith building um, to hear all the 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 implications of that verse." No,
0: it's awesome and. And I think there is, there, there is this element of the kingdom that I think goes beyond our grasp. Yeah. And to think, again, going back to what we talked about at the beginning, I, I think it's challenging that Jesus was using these stories to keep people from this knowledge about the kingdom of God, right? Yeah. Like he's telling these parables and we're explaining them to each other and to our audience. But there's people that heard what these two parables said and went like, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm just going to walk away because I don't want to think about it. Uh And to think that there's so much richness and such cool understanding about the kingdom of God from digging into these short stories. And yet, at the same time, to really think of how sad it is that people... Some people just don't know. Yeah. How long have you been a disciple? I've been a disciple now for, uh, 15, 16 years.
1: Okay. I'm at 22. I'll be 23 in August. And it's amazing that I can have studied it, you know, all 23 of these years. And, uh, for one thing, it's amazing that I've got a history that's 23 years old. Right. Um, uh, but I've read this so many times and to be able to still be digging things out of it and to still be learning truths and to still be seeing things. It builds my faith and it builds my understanding of who God is in a completely different way. And it's encouraging. You know, we, we did skip over the, the lamp under a basket parable. Um, but just to touch on it real quickly, he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. I, I want you to be able to hear what I have to offer you. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure that you use, it'll be measured to you. Right. And still more will be added to you. So if you're if you're listening to this stuff, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're reading the word and you are trying to get as much out of it, I'm just going to glean and, and work to get as much out of it, that that's... Trying to stuff as much in that little cup, that measure that you use will be measured to you. So if you're trying to put as much as you can in there, God's going to give you as much as you can put in there, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, which is so encouraging. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And so if you've got a, a, an empty bucket, and you've you've heard this story, and you can try and fill your bucket with with all the lessons from this and you say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about it. You're going to lose that bucket and God's not going to keep telling you things and showing you new things.
0: No, that, you know, that is a great thought to end this podcast with. I know that for as much as we may, we may not understand the will of God and even why Jesus teaches in parables and how that may seem unfair and all that stuff. And for as much as we wonder what is God doing, the reality is is that He also gave us part in this, and we have a part to play. And like you said, if we put in the time and the effort and the curiosity, we're going to get a lot from it. Mm-hmm. So, with that thought, thank you so much for listening make sure that you follow us on social media at ether on all social media platforms we are able to create this con uh, this content through your support on patreon so please become one of our patrons even a dollar makes a huge difference and thank you so much for listening and i guess we'll catch you on the next one